Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Monday, July 12th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined as usual with my playing partner to talk about a major this week, and it's Mr. Andrew Hansen. Are you ready for this big major open championship? Oh, I can't wait. Nothing like a major. Um, brings up such great memories here with the Open Championship. We're talking about a little bit before the podcast about, you know, three, four in the morning, you flip it on and there's some rain and wind and um, you just, you get to see all the the carnage over there. And it's just, it's such a fun event every, every, every time around. We missed it last year because of COVID and glad to have it back this year. Yeah, it, it's going to be a good one. And the weather's going to be, of course, Tricky as it normally is, but sorry about that. Look, looks like we've got a call coming in. I guess it's uh, somebody from Royal St. George's. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're going to have some weather issues. There will be a little bit of rain. There's there's certainly going to be some wind, but not doesn't look like a washout. So that's exciting because that's always a concern there. You always hate to get up to watch that and then it's delayed or you're, you know, you're watching something from 10 years ago, but uh, no, I think we're going to get through it, but the conditions will of course be a little bit uh, tough Uh, today. Luckily they're not playing today or tomorrow because they're having pretty heavy rain uh, right now. So by, by Thursday, when they tee off, uh, it should be good enough to go, but it'll be a little soggy out there like usual, I think. Yeah, and of course, a lot of these guys are going to be very familiar with those conditions, wet and cool, and they'll they'll be ready. And this uh, this course has hosted the Open Championship fifteen times, or this is the fifteenth. Yeah, and so interesting how with the course history here, even though they space them out quite a bit, we do have some players who've played it multiple times. And I looked back at uh, 1993; they played here, 2003, and then 2011. Right. And there's only three guys who played in 93 who are going to play this week. Bernhard Langer, Ernie Els, Darren Clark, some real veterans. Yes. And then from 03, that was the year that Ben Curtis came out of nowhere and won. Yeah. Uh, again, just a handful of veterans who are playing. Sergio, Ernie Els, Stuart Sink, Phil Mickelson, and Darren Clark. And then there's a bunch of guys who we can get into, uh, 25 or so, who made the cut in 2011 who are going to play here. So a little bit different analysis, Coach, yes. as you know, than, than usual with course history for a major in the U.S. like the Masters that they play every year. Um, you know, it, you have to have a real steady career to play in multiple uh, open championships at the same course. No question. And, you know, it's when we look at specific statistical categories and such on the regular PGA Tour, you know, the venue may move from – Columbus, Ohio to Seattle, Washington or something. And you can look at history. You could look at, you know, PGA averages and certain statistics, but really all of that is out the window uh, for this, you know, for the open. I mean, it plays different. You get, you have guys from all different tours coming in. A lot of the Europeans obviously uh, are playing. So it's just a whole different mindset and, and analysis. And, what we're going to focus on today is a little bit more at looking at who's played on the course, you know, what uh, history there is there, who we think's coming in, 
you know, uh, hot or at least in position to do well, which doesn't always mean anything here. Like you mentioned, when Ben Curtis won it, and you know, I don't think there was a person on the planet that picked him to win it. So it it is a it's a tougher uh, to handicap than most because you can't use as much analysis. But uh, you know, the cool thing is that that's what makes it really exciting because obviously with with courses like this, you know, you can. Uh, if the if you are downwind, you can reach par fives and two and score. But you know if there's a, a blinding wind or some rain and you're going, uh, you could blow up and have a double or triple or other. Who knows? So it's uh, really becomes a, a test of will, I think. Then watching the past uh, opens, it's just you know who can stay focused, who can get it done for four consecutive days, and that's. That's why it's such a, a, a cool, challenging, historic event. I mean, you know, nobody was alive. Nobody is alive right now that, you know, that was here when they played the first one. So it goes to show you how far, you know, way, way back in uh, just history on these courses. So uh, yeah, this, the, the fun thing is it's a par 70, which, you know, that's rough enough. And it's still just under 7,200 yards. So when, you know, you still have to get decent length, you've obviously got trouble, those pot bunkers and all kinds of issues you can get into. So it's, you know, again, it's, it's not going to be guys shooting uh, 20 under like we've seen the last couple of weeks on the PGA tour. Uh, it's going to be a, a survival mode. Uh, par is a good score on most of these holes and, uh, you know, that's the way it's plays over, you know, in the open, but specifically on this course, uh, the Royal St. George Golf Club in Sandwich, England. So, uh, you know, tons of history from this course and again, challenging and not not somebody, you know, that's going to come in and just wipe it out. Um, you're going to see uh, sometimes a bogey might not be a bad score on a hole. So uh, that part will really be fun. But you know, in looking at 2011, that's where I spent most of my time. I just wanted to see, you know, who actually has run the track here and, and knows it and experienced it under the pressure of an open. And, you know, that we know the defending champion is playing Darren Clark, but, um, you know, he did have success last year in a senior event uh, over here in the States, but he really hasn't been playing a ton of golf. I think he's more in the throwback a couple Guinnesses and, and go out there with your uh, mates there, if you will, just right. to have some fun. So I'm not sure he's really uh, what you would call a guy that you have to look at as a contender. Now, who knows? You know, again, crazier things have happened. Look at Phil. I said the same thing pretty much about Phil in the PGA, and, and you know, we know what happened there. But, you know, the guys that I think can really take advantage of it that were, were here, here's the top 10 finishers in the 2011, Andrew, and four of these guys are playing. So that's interesting. Well, really, four that I count, I'm not counting Clark right now, which means he'll probably, you know, be right there. But <laughs> it, Clark won it. Uh, DJ was second. How about that? Yeah. So that big thumbs up for, for him. He could get some serious play. Our man Phil finished third. He's always right up there in every major. And then guys that aren't playing anymore, Bjorn and Campbell. It's funny how in 10 years how things change. Ricky Fowler, 
who's starting to show some improvement. Yep. He had a really impressive uh, T6 here. And then you had Kim, uh, Jacqueline, Dyson, and then uh, Sergio finished 10th. And we know when he gets on a roll and gets confident, he's dangerous. So for me, uh, Andrew, a takeaway from 2011, DJ, Phil, Fowler, and Sergio are the guys I give a little bit of extra uh, cred here for playing the course, having a top 10 here. And that makes a difference. It definitely does for me as well. And I think if if we go back even one step further, we can make the point here about course history and experience. Because if you look at what happened in 03, the last time this event was at Royal St. George's before the one you just described, 2011, look where Darren Clark and Phil Mickelson finished. They tied for 59th. So they made the cut. They didn't do that well. But they had the experience, and then they come back and finish 1-2. Uh, you know, Phil was tied with DJ. And so I think we can look at the other guys from 2011 who just at least played here and made the cut. They got four rounds in, and I think that gives them a huge advantage over everybody else. Um, you know, just all, because this course has, you know, my understanding of it, lots of unpredictability, humps and bumps and, you know, and uh, blind shots and weird angles and surprise bunkers. And, you know, you can go out and play a practice round or two and start to get a feel for it. But to have gone through four rounds in competition or eight or 12 there, uh, I think it gives you a huge edge. And we also know that in the Open uh, Championships, it's not, you know, it's not always about length like some of the majors in the U.S. And you don't, you know, you get guys in their 50s who can, contend and even come you know be there right at the end uh or, or you know mid 40s uh so it's it's the experience is such a huge factor here and so um you know i i went i continued down the leaderboard and i think we should talk about some of these other guys who are you know more of the younger or, or middle generation now um so after the guys you just mentioned lucas glover finished tied for 12th here in 2011 right. we know he just won last week at the john deere he so how did. about well, that he shot, what a round he played yesterday oh my yeah c congrats to him it'd been a while since he won and uh he really finished strong martin keimer uh also tied for 12th and 11 webb simpson was top 20 he hasn't been playing very well lately uh rory how about rory he finished tied for 25th that go round um and we'll get back to him here in a minute. Uh, Adam Scott was uh, right there, top 25 or 30. Uh, Stuart Sink tied for 30th. And he was also one of the guys who played it in 03. He was tied for 34th. So this will be the third time he's played it hmm. in an open championship. Jason Day uh, made the cut. Uh, Ryan Palmer, we'll get to him here in a bit. He tied for 30th. Gary Woodland, top 40. Uh, right. Justin Rose, and then the last couple, Paul Casey, uh, Louis Oosthuizen, and Henrik Stenson. So uh, I think those guys are also worth considering um, as you start to build your lineups this week. I think those are great points. And, you know, the point I want to make is a lot of those guys, the majority that you just mentioned, are European foreign players. Right. And, you know, that's a huge thing too here i mean let's face it you know how many times 
we we have no idea. I'm just surmising. But the Rory McIlroys, you know, the, the Justin Roses, all those guys. I mean, that's their home turf. Yep. So you know they've played some rounds at Royal right. St. George's. So they're familiar with it, all the lore and talking, and they know where to stay away from. I mean, they've got all those advantages over the Americans, especially the younger Americans. They've probably never played the course. You know, uh, so there's a – when you're talking about – and I'll just name a few guys to give you – you know, for me, like Xander Shoffley and guys like that, yes, they're fantastic players. I don't think he's ever played that course. And so that's a big difference. I mean, on a course, like you mentioned, that has a lot of different twists and turns, you know, if you don't have the quote unquote local knowledge of where to keep the ball away from, those guys may be thinking they hit a great shot and, and you know, they're in trouble. So uh, I'm definitely in, you know, looking at my initial builds here uh, and I'm giving a, a big edge to the the Europeans, no doubt. Yeah, and I'm realizing here as we talk, I, I think there's three categories we can put these players in. One, the Europeans who have probably played this course more and grew up playing this style of golf, right? Links golf, where you need to get creative and and you know use different shots, uh, bump and run to get to the green. Um, then you've got the Americans who didn't grow up playing over there, but are playing over there more often and played in the recent events here, the Irish Open, the Scottish Open last week, which I'd like to get into here in a minute. You've got that category that, you know, maybe they haven't played this course, but at least they've been playing that style of golf recently right. and over the years. So they've worked on some of those shots. And then you've got the group that just doesn't have much experience over there and they're not playing in the Scottish Open. And then I think those guys are really the third category that, you know, are not going to be at the forefront for me. I'm with you. Now, I do have one thing that I think is extremely important and to really take note of here. As I mentioned, the weather there has is rough here at the beginning of the week. But as Thursday rolls around, and I've looked at this pretty closely because I think it's going to make a big difference. In the morning, they're going to have pretty steady showers and winds upwards of 16 miles an hour. As the afternoon rolls around, it's supposed to clear. So huge advantage for the afternoon guys compared to the morning guys on Thursday. And again, you know, half the battle is getting your guys through to the cut. Uh, you know, we we had a really solid uh, performance again this week, but we didn't as far as the full tournament because we had some guys miss the cut. But our weekend only, which like we Brian provide for our members. One of the favorites, and he doesn't make the cut. That was incredible. Oh, I know. That was difficult. But, you know, when we have that weekend only opportunity, then, uh, you know, we, we went after it. We cashed all over the place. It was great. So what I want to try to do is get let's get these guys because the big of the big events, you guys are going to play GPPs and stuff. You know, you got to get them all through. So big advantage to the Thursday afternoon tea times as opposed to morning. Um, as the afternoon rolls around on Thursday, the winds are supposed to lessen to about 10 miles an hour. And it goes from a 38% chance of rain down to 12. So, you know, certainly something to take note of. Now, you're not going to have that on Friday. So it's not like it's going to be reversed where the other, you know, the morning afternoon guys have an advantage that the others had the day before. Because Friday is supposed to be lower winds, you know, 12 miles an hour, only a 10% chance of showers. 
you know, a little cooler, but the weather's going to be better. So advantage, again, uh, can't mention it enough to the Thursday afternoon over the Thursday morning tea times. And then as you get into the weekend, I don't think we'll have any de delays or washouts. Uh, the percentages of rain stay low. Winds stay in that 12 to 15 mile an hour uh, area throughout the, the last couple of days. So uh, it should equal equal itself out after that Thursday morning rain. And hopefully we can, you know, if we're between a few guys, we can favor that side of it. Because, I, you know, that's it's only going to take a couple of shots, you know, to make the cut as opposed to missing the cut. So, uh, you know, yeah. that could be the edge. Great point. I'm glad you mentioned that. We're going to have to make those final decisions based on the tea time. As long as that weather forecast holds, of course, it can change. But, yes. you know, it's only Monday afternoon. But we're definitely going to track that up until lock. And you mentioned the cut and a couple shots. And to get back to your earlier point about this not being a 20 under type of course, the cut here in 2011 was three over par. So bars huh, huh. are good scores, and sometimes a bogey, like you said, can be a good score. Yeah. You need to avoid the, the big numbers. And some of the guys in that early wave on Thursday, if the weather is going to be bad, they might have some really big numbers. And um, we know from experience that the Open Championship can do that. In fact, one of the funny things I read about this location getting ready for our podcast when Tiger Woods played here in 03, he lost a ball for the first time as a professional. Wow. And it was, you know, not like, oh, I hit it in a water hazard and I lost the ball. Obviously, yeah. he's done that. But, you know, he just hit it in the rough and nobody could find it. And that's what happens here, especially when you get just that little extra wind or rain and you get one shot like that. It absolutely can be the difference between making the cut or missing it. No question about it. And and I'll tell you, it's it really is fun to watch. I mean, it, it's a whole different uh, ball game without question, but uh, definitely something that, that we're looking forward to seeing. And and I'll tell you, th the reason why it's so important to jump aboard with us at DFS Coach Talk, and I'll just mention it right now, because as you said, you know, we're doing this podcast to get it out plenty early enough so everybody can prepare, because some of those contests, you want to reserve your spots, the big money ones you know, get all that set up. But as the week and you know, the week goes on, that easily could change weather-wise. And the best way to stay up to date on all that is we're posting in our Discord, our DFS Coach Talk Discord throughout, you know, 24-7. So if the weather changes, if, you know, things shift, because if it just changes from morning to afternoon as far as the weather, you know, everything's different. So, uh, you know, you could go to dfscoachtalk.com Great time to sign up is, you know, for that, you know, you can get basically the whole weekend of golf because if you sign up on a Wednesday uh, for our three-day $10 pass, you get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday, we put up our lineups. We do full lineups for FanDuel and Yahoo, and uh, uh, we do a core build uh, and clipboard for DraftKings. And then we do another one on Friday, again, like I said, for that weekend only, which has been really hot for us uh, on the weekend. So um, DFSCoachTalk.com, lots of different options there. As you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen, we also have a, a great relationship with uh, one of our sponsors, BetUS.com.pa. If you sign up for the first time with them with a $149 deposit, 
you get a free two-month membership at Coach Talk. So take advantage of that as well. And speaking of betus.com.pa, Andrew, let's take a gander at the odds. Okay. Uh, we have a heavy favorite here. Can you believe that? Well, is it the last major winner? It is Mr. John Rom. He is seven to one, the nearest and mo you know guy on the odds board, 18 to one. So it's not like he's a slight favorite. I would say from the, the betting board, he's somewhat chalk. Yeah, he really is, and deservedly so. Yeah. Um, you know, won the last major, seems in a great spot mentally, and he's in the group. We can get into this in a little bit, but uh, the Scottish Open was played last week. He finished uh, seventh in that. Yeah. Um, so I, I like his spot. Uh, he's definitely in consideration for me. And it's a big advantage for him being over there playing because that's a tough trip. I mean, I've taken that flight. That's not a fun flight. And, you know, as we were watching the tournament finish yesterday, a bunch of those guys were getting on that charter to fly over. And, you know, that's it takes you a few days to get your legs under you. I know those guys do it a lot, but not quite overseas and back. So, uh, you know, I think advantage Rom on that side of things as well. Yep. All right, let's talk about the other guys that are getting, because it's amazing, but there's two, four, six guys that are basically almost in a dead heat tie for the second through eighth choices, uh, all within 16, 18 to one. So it's amazing. So let me ask you, obviously we both agree Rom's a tough fate. Out of these, this group, because I think it's going to take probably having one of these guys as well, to really take something down. So give me your impressions, if you can. We'll spend an extra few minutes on it because this being a major and not having as much historical background of people on this course, I think talking about sort of where people are and what their headspace is coming into this. So Dustin Johnson, uh, obviously, uh, is the first one in this group of eight. Okay. Do you want to give me the, the, the group or go one by one? Let's just let's just scan it quickly one by one so we okay. we get a little feel for it. Cause I like I say, I do think one of these guys could win it or be right there and and be needed to take something down. I'm I'm on the fence with DJ because you mentioned the the great finish here in 2011. Right. But he, but he hasn't been playing well lately. He's missed the cut in both majors this year. So, you know, what form does he come in with? Uh he's a wild card for me. Yeah, I you know, I feel the same way, and we talked about it quite a bit. DJ has a tendency to be more of a G, uh, GPP play because he's just – you don't know if he's going to miss the cut or win it. <laughs> right. So it's it definitely tougher. So I'm with you there. I don't think he's going to be in my main cash build, but uh, you almost have to put him in a GPP just in case, you know, he snaps into DJ mode and, and crushes it. So um, next guy – Rory McIlroy. You know, the instinct when you say open championship and Rory is, you know, let's get him in there. But I am looking to most likely fade him. He's coming in here off of a tie for 59th at the Irish Open. Then he misses the cut at the Scottish Open. So wow. that's just not quite good enough for me to spend that money. I'm with you. I haven't been on Rory in a long time. I just... No, he popped up and had a good tournament in there, but he has not been himself consistency-wise at all. 
So hard to trust him. One of your favorites, Brooke Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more intrigued with him. Um, he's been playing a lot better than Dustin Johnson, but he doesn't have the, the top five finish here in a major. Right. So, um, he, you know, he did start his career on the European tour, though. So he he has more experience in these types of conditions than you might think for somebody, uh, somebody along that same line uh, from from the U.S. Uh, but, um. Yeah, he you know he's he's in consideration for me, but I, I think it might depend on what site as well. Because on DraftKings, if if I am going to go with Rom, I don't know if I can also get somebody like Kepka, but possibly on FanDuel. Where, where do you stand on Kepka? Well, I just I, I'm still a little worried about that knee. I mean, I I know that he's been playing well and everything, but you know a, a hilly slippery course like this that's you know long enough uh with cooler temperatures i mean all of that stuff i mean i have a really bad knee so i know you know if i'm out there playing and it's it's colder and windy or rainy and i'm sliding around my knee usually bothers me so granted you know he's a world-class athlete you know and i i may have been uh uh, 35 years ago, <laughs> not world class, maybe city class. How's that? But uh, anyway, I, you know, I don't know. It scares me a little bit because if he does tweak that or if it's bothering him or, you know, without a big history on these courses, I'm a little hesitant because he's still expensive. Yep. Agreed. What about Zander, Xander Shoffley? I'm having trouble talking today. Yeah, he's in that middle category for me where, you know, he didn't play here in 2011, but he did just play the Scottish Open, finished tied for 10th. Yeah. Um, you know, so rock solid across the board, great demeanor. Uh, so he's in consideration for me. Yeah, I, I like him. I mean, he is Mr. Major, too. And you mm -hmm. talk about, as a cash player, feeling comfortable that your guy has a really, really good shot to make the cut, you, you can't get much more comfort than you do with Shoffley because he shows up in the big, you know, big events. He can play the tougher courses. And the fact that he, you know, played in the Scottish Open and was over there, uh, he's he's right now making my list. Okay. How about Mr. Jordan Spieth, fellow Texan here? What do you there think you about go. Jordan? Yeah, you know, he didn't make my first lineup, but he might need to make my second just because, uh, you know, he's been a lot better here spring and summer. And with that putter, um, you know, he can he can do a lot of damage, as we've seen with his Open Championship history. Right. So, uh, you know, I think I might have to get him into the second lineup. That, that's what I'm feeling like right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I haven't quite decided yet, but I'm with you. I mean – he obviously is comfortable playing over there because he's proven that. So uh, certainly somebody that has to be in high consideration. And then the last guy that's in that group that's all pretty much tied for second uh, is favoritism is Justin Thomas. Yes. Our thumbnail this week. I know it. I know it. Well, why don't you start us off with him? Uh, you selected him as our thumbnail. I did. You know, I, I just have a good feeling about him this week. You know, I, I think that he's so focused 
on a major and, you know, really getting over the hump and, and, you know, he came out and just played hard at, at the U S open. And I mean, he's, I think he's just ready uh, for a really strong play, a strong, strong event here. I think he's going to be in contention. I know he can get a little off, uh, off the tee, which certainly is a big problem on this course. You cannot spray the ball at all, but I, I think he's, mentally tough enough to get in there and he's really motivated uh i know he's expensive but i just i have a good feeling on him this week yeah i know he he played in the scottish open and finished tied for eighth right i watched some of the coverage and he did look really focused he kind of looked like he was grinding and getting in that major championship mode he had a final round 65 yeah so those are some things i do like about him yeah, definitely. The, the tough part is we just mentioned the, all those guys and they're terrific, but they're expensive. So yeah. that that's where it comes to, you know, if you're going to get a couple of those guys in there, then you have to find some of the mid-level guys and you really have to find, uh, you know, a couple of value plays. But here's what's amazing to me, though. And I, it, it's sort of shocking. You look at that group, Rom, Johnson, McElroy, Kepka, Shoffley, Spieth, Thomas. Do you know only two of them are not USA guys, Rom and uh, McElroy? Right. So that's sort of shocking, you know, because you would expect the guys like the Oosthuizen's and Hovland's and uh, Hatton's and Fleetwood's, those guys that play over there, and that's – their home turf, the Casey's, the Lowry's, you know, those are the guys that I'm really looking at to, to try to fit in there with a couple of the big players. Yeah. And that might be why in my first lineup, I have Rom and, and then I don't have any of those other guys. I started right. to get towards some of the Europeans more in the, in the middle of the price range. Um, so that's why probably for me, it will be that type of build. And maybe the GPP lineup is when you, pivot and get one of those Americans in there um, because they're, they're so ultra talented, but yeah, let's, if you're ready to transition to uh, some of these Europeans and uh, uh, other players that, uh, you know, regular casual uh, PGA tour fans might not be as focused on. Uh, absolutely. Cause I can tell you right now, probably two thirds of my, my roster is going to be of these guys that we're going to discuss right now. I just, there's such a massive advantage from being over there, from playing the course, from knowing the conditions all the time, from just, I mean, that's normal playing in 60 degree weather with a little rain and this and that. I mean, that's a normal day on the golf course for those guys. I mean, they don't have the pristine, perfect weather and, you know, it's San Diego and it's 70 degrees with a light breeze and manicured with, you know, a, a little scissors type of, you know, this is a different ball game. And right. I, I think that's why we struggle in Ryder Cups, to be honest with you, too, when we play over there. So uh, I'm with you. So let's hit these these uh, Europeans. Yeah, well, I think a, a couple to consider are, are ones that finished pretty well here in the Scottish Open and uh, not necessarily Europeans, but I did want to hit this group of of guys who are playing in those conditions and playing well. So there were a couple um, – you know, off the radar names here who did well at the Scottish Open. Min Woo Lee won it. He's an Australian, 
And wow. uh, along with Lucas Herbert, listen to what they've done the last couple of weeks. Min Woo Lee with the win. He finished tied for 17th at the Irish Open. Uh, he's 7,200 on DraftKings. Lucas Herbert finished tied for fourth at the Scottish Open. He won the Irish Open. He's 6,800. Wow. So you could go with one of those guys um, who recency I don't think. Recency for sure. Wow. What, what's that? Recency for sure. Yeah, recency and, and you know, not well known here in the U.S. where a lot of the DraftKings and FanDuel players are, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so you get lower ownership on on a guy like that. Uh, our man, Matt Fitzpatrick, who, you know, does well in these conditions. He tied for second. Uh, Ryan Palmer here is an American. If you want to get a text in your lineup coach, 6,900 yeah. finished tied for fourth at the Scottish open. That's cheap. Yeah. And then here's a name that won't surprise you. Ian Poulter finished tied for fourth. He was playing with Justin Thomas and uh, I thought he looked like he was in classic form. He had on the, uh, the crazy pants that he always wears <laughs> in the, in the open championship in the Ryder cup. And this is a Ryder cup year. He's trying to make the team. Uh, so he's a nice option, I think. Seventy-two hundred. Sure. Um, you know he has played here. He made the cut in '03, uh, missed the cut in, in '11, but um, you know put it all together. He he's in consideration for me. Uh, we talked about Rom JT. Uh, here's another one, Johannes Veerman. He finished tied for eighth, and he finished third in the Irish Open. He's only sixty-one hundred. Wow. So I do not know him. I at all Is yeah he strictly european tour guy well, he's he's from the u.s but really um he's a name that i i'm not familiar with either and you know i was surprised looking uh through the entire roster on DraftKings. i thought there'd be a few more guys from the european tour who i didn't recognize but really most of the names uh if you play dfs a lot you'll recognize them it's only down around that 61 6200 there's a few names um with some random qualifiers that uh, you may not know, but um, yeah. So there's a guy that um, I'm not familiar with, but great. Can you his name one more time? Johannes Veerman. Veerman. Okay. Yeah. Let's, we'll have to do some homework on him for sure. I think I saw a clip of him in the Scottish open. He's, he's a taller guy, um, but he's getting it done. And if you want to get two or three of those names up top, then he's a guy you could you know lean on to help you do that. Uh, Xander, we we've mentioned here, he's tied for tenth. Uh, uh, here's here's another guy for you, Scotty Scheffler. He's over there trying to get it done. He finished tied for twelfth. He's a mid tier option. And yeah. then Richard Bland, the the forty eight year old, remember who took a lead at the U.S. Open, yeah, and then faltered on the weekend. Well, he finished tied for fifteenth at the Scottish Open. He was tied for fourth at the Irish Open. Wow, uh, sixty-eight hundred. Uh, so there's another cheap guy on DraftKings you could consider. Yeah, I mean, that, you talk about playing well in all these big events. I mean, even at his age, I was rooting for him too. You know, the older guys you root for him, but right. Uh, we'll see. You know, probably a, a nice guy to make the cut. That's for sure. Yeah, you got to figure he will the way he's been playing, and maybe he'll just be a little Experience. more comfortable. Yeah, you know, in a major over there as opposed to on U.S. soil. All of a sudden, the spotlight on him. And, sure. he, you know, he's gone through that now. So uh, Sam Burns, uh, he, this number really surprised me. 6,300 for Sam Burns. And he's been awesome mm. on the PGA Tour. He finished tied for 18th. He's over there getting used to it. So uh, that price tag makes him interesting. 
Tyrrell Patton, no big surprise, 9,000. Yep. He was top 20. Robert McIntyre, 7,300, the lefty. He's uh, tough. Yeah, he's tough. And then good old Patty Harrington, 6,900. Uh, he's one of the guys who's played here forever. He Back in 03, he tied for 22nd. Um, you know, again, Ryder Cup year. Is that 1903? No. It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> Uh, and then two other two other names of interest here in the Scottish Open. Lee Westwood finished 35th. Um, you know, he has plenty of experience here. He actually missed the cut in 2011 on this course. Wow. Um, and Colin Morikawa tied for 71st. So he hasn't quite figured it out yet. I heard on the broadcast that on the front nine, he used multiple putting grips. So he's just kind of sort things out. We know he's been struggling a little bit putting. He's the man, sure. Tita Green. Yeah. Um, so he hasn't quite clicked yet. Um, so I'm a little concerned about paying his price tag. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's one of those guys from a recency standpoint that just doesn't look like he's got it figured out. And this is not a course where, you, you know, if you don't have all your chips in the, in the pot here, you're not going to get it done. Not a That's place right. to work through it. So Sounds like me, though. You, if this putting grip doesn't work, then let's try this one on hole two. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but definitely. So, uh, all right. How about if we touch on uh, you touch a ton of value there, but uh, do you have any other guys that fall under the Andrew Hansen? I call it a golden umbrella of. Uh, winners because a lot of these value guys have, have made so much money for us over the last couple of years in playing DFS. So give us some of those uh, gold nuggets, if you will. Yeah. Well, other than the list we've gone through, I'll mention that Stuart Sink's price is 6,900 on DraftKings. We know he's okay. had a great resurgence, yep. great uh, open championship history, solid history on this course. Um, Lucas Glover, again, 6,600. Um, that's a bit of a steal potentially after the win. We'll see if the emotions and, you know, having to be on that charter, like you said, right. Uh, kind of behind schedule, if he can overcome that. But I, I think I want to finish up with two guys who are just jumping out at me as can they talk about the golden umbrella of winning? Can they be top five uh, and follow the same path that Phil and Darren Clark did on this course where they finished Tied for 59th and 03, and then they finish one and two in 2011. And in 2011, the two guys I'm talking about, Paul Casey and Louis Oosthuizen, you know, they Those finished. Two guys tied. have been on a lot of our teams. I in know. This past year, and they finished tied for 54th that year, which again doesn't say much. But if they do the same thing that Phil and Darren Clark did, and say, "Hey, now I know my way around here," that gives me confidence. I have a clue of what I'm doing here and where I'm going. Now I can focus on my game instead right. of these other players who are going to show up and not know where the green is. I mean, literally, you know, wh where am I aiming? These guys know how to play this course. So Paul Casey, Louis Oosthuizen, we know that, you know, Casey had a really strong run here in the spring and Louis Oosthuizen back-to-back second place finishes, former winner of the open championship. Um, and so if you go with a couple guys like that, um, you feel a lot better about the the overall balance of your team and again make you know making sure first of all you get through the cut and then you know give me a chance in that top 10 come sunday no question and you know i 
I really definitely lean on a lot of those experienced European players. I think it it's worth several shots it, uh, at an event like this. There's no right. question. But uh, it's going to be exciting. I mean, it's that's what makes the Open tournament really so wide open, more so than the other majors to me, because you're getting a mixture of people from all different tours, some guys you've never heard of. And, you know, it's it makes for a lot more, uh, you know, opportunity for guys not just to make the cut, but to, you know, strong, have strong finishes. So uh, really in, in uh, to wrap it up, Andrew, the let's watch the weather this week. Uh, let's make sure we can see if we can get an advantageous jump on Thursday with that weather in the morning. And then, uh, you know, as we're saying, it looks like we're both possibly going to eat the chalk with John Rahm. And, you know, he's just somewhat separated himself at the moment with the level of his play. So, you know, if that's not a place you have to fade, you know, that just because of you think he's going to be heavy chalk. And then it's after that, it's a matter of, do you take any of those other top guys? I'm looking at a JT kind of thing, but if not, then we've got that whole group that we just discussed, the European group, the guys that have been playing well in the, the Scottish and Irish opens, you know, those also uh, come into play. So uh, best way to stay in, in tune with us is join us at dfscoachtalk.com, multiple different kinds of memberships. Uh, I would recommend if you're really into the golf and you want to play a lot of the, the British Open, I would jump in with a three-day pass this Wednesday. So we're we're posting this pod on Monday. But if you jump in Wednesday, like I say, you get the full tournament lineups. Friday, you get our weekend-only lineups, which we've won six of the last seven weekend-only lineups, Andrew. I don't know if you knew that, but we have been uh, – I call it my ba golf bailout because – Unfortunately, I haven't done as well in the full tournament, so I need that weekend boost uh, to, to get the golf going. But hopefully this week we turn it around. We, we hit both of them. We want, we're going for the sweep. So we'd love to have you. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, quick thumbs up. Hit that uh, subscribe button. Click the little alert in the top corner. If you're listening audio-wise, we do have a drawing once a month. Uh, we just... Uh, brought in a new free weekly member that came in that won this last month's drawing. And you qualify by uh, putting five stars and a quick comment anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeart, where everywhere uh, podcasts can be heard. So if you take a second there, we do have a random drawing of anybody that gives us the five stars and quick comment to get a free week membership with Coach Talk. So please take advantage of that as well. If you have any comments or questions, because we're going to have this pot out a little earlier than normal, since it's a, a big major here, uh, throw it in there in YouTube. We'll, we answer all of them um, and be happy to, you know, we're always checking on those. Or if you want to tweet us, we're at DFS Coach Talk. Andrew is at Language Olympic. And I am at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. So that is it, my friend. Uh, any final golfing words that you got for us that'll bring us home? Well, uh, let's at least tip our cap to Shane Lowry, who won the last Open Championship. Yes. Um, uh, he tied for 23rd in the Irish Open, and he's going to be comfortable here. Uh, you know, and, and I heard an interview with him, and he's fired up to try to you know defend that uh, the Claret Jug, and uh, so. 
He's another guy who you would think would at least make the cut, and he's affordable, so somebody to keep in mind. Yeah, I, he's been on the, the workout program from what I read that he's been on is four pints a day <laughs> and a corned beef sandwich and a, a nap and then a couple of holes of golf. So exactly. sounds like the, what I would be on for sure. So yeah, <laughs> if, there was, if there was ever a guy to have the Claire jug for two years, he's the perfect ambassador. So yes. I'm happy for him. I think he made the most of it. Yeah. I will see how he does here. If he, if he really gets out there and competes, man, that's, that's a lot to be said. You, right. that, that's pretty impressive. Well, excellent. We hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast. We hope it helps you, uh, you know, really put together some winning golf lineups and uh, we appreciate uh, you spending time with us. So we certainly will be back again next week uh, for our next PGA DFS event. And uh, we will certainly be looking to crush it when we come back with DFS PGA.